Are you struggling to find the right broker to take advantage of opportunities in the market? Are you looking to trade commodities, shares, or even crypto? Even if you don't know much about trading, you can learn all about it by visiting Capital.com's website. That's C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. Capital.com is a global trading platform with over half a million users. Visit Capital.com and start your trading journey today. This show is brought to you by Baraka. Regulated by the DFSA, Baraka is a commission-free investing app where you can access over 6,000 stocks and ETFs from the GCC. With the referral code UNI2022, that's UNI2022, you can get $50 when you fund your account with them. Download the app and start investing. Our vision was computer on the Starship Enterprise. Okay. Yeah. Where you ask, if you're on the deck and you say, computer, uh-huh. you know, warp to, <laughs> uh, or, you know, teleport me to here or do yeah. this for me or help me with that. Or I need to understand that or give me this information. Uh-huh. Alexa or computer should be able to give you that. Okay. And so that's our vision. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Conversations with Lulu. My guest is Dr. Raf Fatani. He leads Amazon Alexa's business for the Middle East and North Africa region. Raf is an internet policy expert. He serves on several advisory boards globally and has had consulting mandates with top tech firms like Facebook, Google, uh, Microsoft, Dell, and more. Today, we're going to be talking about voice technology, how much it has developed, and what are the challenges of building voice in Arabic dialects from the ground up. So let's tune in. How are you? Good. It's been a while <laughs> since been a we've long seen time. each other. Yes. But so good, uh, so good to stay in touch and stay connected and to have you here finally. <laughs> Thank you. Well, the pleasure's all mine, of course. Yeah. How have you been? Been good. I've been busy. Uh, been busy on the personal front. Uh, been busy on the professional front, which I suspect we'll be talking about. Yes. Uh, in a little bit, uh, and I, you know, at every milestone, I think, you know what, things are going to calm down. Um, I've yet to find that moment where there is a calm. <laughs> Never happens. <laughs> no. Never happens. How are the? Uh, how are? I, I think the audience should know that you have triplets, which is, uh, you know, which is. Quite the thing, right? They are an amazing. How are they? They're great. They're great. We had uh, uh, some challenges uh, during my wife's pregnancy, um, and being the superhero that she is, kind of battled through it, and they battled through it. Uh, we had to travel for an operation, uh, okay. and then we had uh, them delivered at uh, thirty-four weeks, so premature. Uh, but uh, I think I was sharing with you the other day. They have defined every odds, uh, every step of the way. You know, by week two, their eyes were opening on following you around, and just just remarkable. And actually, we weighed them yesterday. They're six kilograms, and they've just hit four okay. months. They're four uh, months. And they're four months. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Incredible. You must have your hands full now with work and uh, and triplets. Working dad. Working dad is very different. <laughs> it's yeah. very different. Yeah. Um, it's you know what it's. It's just a new set of emotions. I suspect, like, I say this because it's, like, new to me, but for everyone else that have had kids, it's like, yeah, whatever, Raph. Like, <laughs> everybody's known this for a while. Yeah. But, like, this whole series of emotions that kind of come and hit you. Uh, I remember the first day I had to kind of leave home and go to the office. Uh, or a couple of weeks later, I had to fly out to Seattle to come and see, meet and some of my colleagues. And leaving them for a week was just, like, 
you know, I teared up at the door and I don't think I've ever teared up leaving any door <laughs> behind. So. It's so nice to hear, by the way. It's, it's nice to hear this coming from a man because, you know, it's typically what you would expect a woman to say. So it's actually very nice to hear that like fathers are becoming more and more involved as well and that they actually, you know, feel and care and, and all of that. Well, I'm glad. I think it's, I think we normalize it. I think we normalize it by talking about it. I, I, by the way, I don't think it's unusual. I do think fathers probably do cry every time they leave the house for the first few times they leave. I just don't think they talk about it. Yeah. And I think the more we talk about it, the more we normalize it and the more it becomes natural yeah. and real. Yeah. So, so I, you know, you, uh, when, we, when we were talking, you and I before this, you, you told me about an article written by Elias Mahanna, right, who wrote about like uh, Arabic and uh, the, the difficulties of localizing Arabic. And there's one example that he uh, talks about is, uh, you know, let it go, Frozen's let it go, <laughs> which I think it's still a bit early for your kids. Uh, but I think at some point they're going to be, uh, well, you have three boys, so I'm not sure, but at some point they're going oh, to listen to Frozen. The, we have them, we break all the stereotypes. Yeah. I think we have more pink at home than we have any other color. Okay, yeah, good. We put them in, in <laughs> yeah, we don't devote too much, but we break the stereotypes, let's okay. put it that way. So they will be watching Frozen if they're interested in it. Okay, so at some point they're going to be watching Frozen. <laughs> And I saw, and I saw, and obviously we're, you know, I think it's very much related to what you're doing, the the, the whole localization per se. But I saw that they have frozen in, in 41 different languages. That uh, the Let It Go song, you know, the, the main song, and then it's in classical Arabic, yeah. like the fusha. Yeah. So so that was actually one of the things that really inspired me to change our plan of record of when we were launching Alexa in Arabic. Um, it really hit me reading the article. And for those that haven't read the article, let's put the uh, the link in one of the comments on the, underneath. Yeah. But, um, but before that, Raf, I, I, like, would you would you get your children to listen to that, like in that Arabic? I don't think it's a top down. Would I let them listen? I think like would they be interested in would listening? They be? Would they be interested? And I think the answer is, I think for me the answer is no. Mm. Would I be interested in listening to something that isn't in my mother tongue that I have to actively activate more brain cells just to be connected to what's what's being presented to me than I need to be? When really, like uh, a feature should be something that I could enjoy with my family and relax and turn off and hear it in the background and almost see the imagery and the animation running through yeah. even if I'm not looking at the screen. And actually it becomes really difficult when it doesn't talk to me, mm -hmm. when it doesn't speak my language, when I have to think really hard to what is meant by this and what is meant by that. And I need to have context via imagery. And I think that's when you lose the customer. And I, I think many are challenged by like, how do you serve the Middle East? Uh, how do you serve half a billion Arabic speaking population? And it's really easy to brush and say, you know what, we can serve all of those with Fusha, we can serve all of those with classical Arabic. Uh, and I think uh, Professor Mohanna from Brown University in the article that you mentioned, I think he calls it, he says, it's akin to listening to, uh, listening to an ESPN uh, reporter speaking in St. James's Bible English. Yeah. And like, that really hit me, you know what I mean? Like, if imagine that on, yeah. on, on, on the next time you watch the American football, yeah. you'll be like, that's weird. I and I listened to the song. I, you know, I made it a point to go and listen to it. I mean, the words don't make sense. Uh, and, and it's, it's just such a, such a big problem. Um, I think for parents, I mean, you're a parent now. I'm, I want my kids to learn Arabic. 
and you know I try to speak to them in Lebanese Arabic and then they go to school they, lo- they learn Fusha Arabic like the classical Arabic which is a completely different language to be honest yeah no it's 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 really one of the biggest one of the biggest challenges for us in this part of the world because this there's also like we we self-define ourselves in like where we grew up what what dialects our parents speak mm-hmm. but actually it's a mishmash of that because our generation is a hybrid generation that has traveled a lot that have been in schools with other people uh i remember speaking in arabic and um i remember speaking like i remember many instances where i speak in arabic and someone turns around and be like where are you from yeah. i don't i don't i don't I, like i don't get it <laughs> yeah because there's like words that are levant there's a words that are egyptian there's some saudi words in there and i don't understand I'm like that's normal like it's communication it's natural it's going to evolve and that's how it's evolved for me and that's how like everyone has is unique in how they evolve but the more important part of this is how are we served content in this part of the world given the fact that this evolution happened when some companies out there think they can still serve your language that is 1500 years old or 2000 years old and they think you know what It's the Middle East, they'll get it. And that's mm-hmm. what, this is what the companies before us have done. Um, and so that's one of the things that kind of really set me going in my journey. So tell us, tell us about it. I mean, you, you decided, you decided, you're, you're in charge of uh, the Arabization, correct? Or the localization of, uh, of the voice technology of Alexa? Actually, you, you put it in your own words. I'm sure, I'm sure you use better so I'm, words. I'm, I'm, I'm the general manager for, for Alexa in this part of the world, and I lead uh, Alexa Arabic globally. Um, so in your categorization, there's like localization that was used there. Um, I guess it's a lot more than that. Okay. Why? Because when Amazon launches a product, no matter what that product is, They build from scratch and they work from the customer backwards. So what does that actually mean in like in a tangible way? So we have Amazon.ae here in the UAE. You know, despite the fact that, you know, the majority uh, of uh, the language or the transaction that happened on that site are in English, we didn't just use Amazon.com and, you know, mm-hmm. change the domain to Amazon.ae and, and you're done. Okay. You have to really think really from the customer. We have things that are quite unique here. We have cash on delivery that was happening at the time when we did the acquisition. Um, less so now, but still relevant. Um, we have content that is or isn't available. We have different requirements by law. And so it doesn't make sense to piecemeal some of those things to build mm-hmm. something and budget because it just won't work. Um, so we build from scratch. So okay. we come here and we build it from scratch. We have tenants to guide us to make sure that we're on track with the bright bar that we have everywhere else. But, um, and that's what we did with, with Alexa. It's no different. So when we, when we built Alexa, we built Alexa. It's not, we localize Alexa. So we start from, um, from the language itself and the complexities mm-hmm. that come with the language. So how did you make those decisions on the on the language, for example? Because you could have gone and Fosha, yeah, and then somebody would say Alexa, ma haza. So, which would be completely unnatural. Right? Yeah, exactly. So, so at Amazon, we we have this process called a PRFAQ. PRFAQ is a another narrative that we write, another type of narrative that we write, where we say we want to launch. It's usually when we want to launch a product, and we say, what would the PR look like? What would we send to the press? What would we write in our blog post? Okay. And we say, 
Amazon launched Alexa in Arabic. And then we start writing, like, what does our customer say? What does our SV, uh, uh, SVP, what did Andy Jassy say in this quote? Uh, what do our partners say in this? And then we work backwards from that. And then we look at that and we say, right, this is what the product should do. Yeah. And then we start going and putting the FAQ part of it is like, how do we make each one of these components work? So we said Arabic, like now we need to define what kind of Arabic, well, how does it serve? Like, how do we think about our customer subsets? Um, who's it going to work for? Who's it not going to work for? Are we going to target everyone? Are we going to be hyper-localized? And we make those decisions uh, on in the PRFAQ. And so, as I said earlier, we, we, put, we started to put the PRFAQ together and you know, I was thinking about language and one of the things I, I said, I, I, can, I read this article by uh, Professor Mohanna and I was really struck by the fact that he was right. It was something that I hadn't necessarily thought about. I was frustrated about it uh, and it was in my subconscious, but not something that I've actively ever spoken about. I've worked, by the way, in the Arabic domain for a while. I, I was the um, uh, advisor to ICANN. This is the, this is the organization that essentially runs our DNS, our domain name system, um, as an advisor to their board. And one of the things that I work with them on is Arabization of domains. So when you see... Uh, I don't know, Dubai Dot Al Amarat in Arabic, written in Arabic script. Mm -hmm. That's part of the work that I've done. So I've always been involved in Arabic uh, in one way or another. Um, but this was, this was like another level. This was like touching every customer. And so the idea that we're launching an assistant, an assistant should help you in your day-to-day -day life. Mm -hmm. Assistant is someone that you should rely on. Uh, you should be able to communicate with freely. You should be able to communicate to your assistant in your mother tongue, uh, as you would converse with your child, mm -hmm. your partner, your parents. And there's no level of formality that you need to add to that in order for it to work. And so if you think about that as a basic essence, and then you put fusha to it, or you put like modern standard Arabic to it, like that formula breaks because none of us speak fusha fluently. None, every one of us has, like if a customer, like I always say this example, if a customer now has to think, here you go, you've got some blinds here. Like, tell me how I would tell Alexa in Fusha, open the blinds. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> but you probably would, yeah, but it would just probably yeah. take you like a couple of a seconds yeah, to like get it there. But well, then it's just easier to go up to the, to, the, to the cord and just pull it and open it up yeah. yourself. And so the idea is it needs to be flawless. It needs to be simple. And ultimately... That led us to a decision where are we going to try and serve a half a billion population? Are we going to try and serve the customers where Amazon operates in the Middle East? And it was a hard decision. It wasn't an easy decision because ultimately we knew we were also going to alienate some customers knowing that it's not going to work as well for those customers as the ones that we're targeting. So I know right now that today my product doesn't work really well with someone speaking to Alexa with a Francophone, North, yeah, North African. No, I mean, Lebanese actually works really well. Okay. But like um, like a Francophone, North African accent okay. is just the the uh, automatic speech recognition and trying to detecting some of the tonalities. And it's just not built for that. Okay. And if I were trying to serve that customer and try and serve a customer in the Gulf, the technology would fail. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's why other tech firms go down the route of 
let's try and do one brush for everyone. Or they don't do it. Or they don't do it yeah. because they're like, you know what, the ROI isn't worth our time. Yeah. So let's just let's just focus on something else. But it's, isn't it not? I mean, it's a huge, you're talking about a huge region. Uh, uh, so, I mean, you know, there is localization everywhere else in the world, right? Even though the populations are much smaller than, than for example, you know, the population of uh, Saudi or the population of Egypt. So why why would companies think that there is no ROI? What's the logic there? I think when it comes to voice AI, it's really cutting edge of AI, conversational AI on neural text-to-speech uh, technology, far-field technology. These are all things that in order to localize, it's not just about does the mic work, will it detect the word? Mm -hmm. There's so much science that goes behind, you know, like I'll give you an example. Alexa is a wake word. Alexa is a wake word is what wakes up the device in order to turn it on, to listen to what you are asking, mm -hmm. uh, to in order to deliver what you've asked for, okay? Um, now, how does a customer in the Middle East say Alexa, does it differ than a customer in India or does it differ from a customer that is in Japan or the US or France? Of course, yes, we have accents, it's natural. Mm -hmm. And so even that component of like waking up Alexa and it needs to have like really, really high accuracy because it's like fundamental of what, you know, it's the on button, it's the on and off button, yeah? So it's like fundamental and like this product working. That whole statistical data uh, uh, modeling that you have to do to enable something like that is localized. Now you think about like the complexities of Arabic, um, and I've said this elsewhere, Arabic has like 12.13 million words. English okay. has 600,000 words. French has only 150,000 words. It's just, 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 just quantity, just numbers. Like I'm not even talking to accents, dialects, uh, influence of other regions, or other languages uh, to that dialect, which is even more infused in this part of, just adds further complexity. So when you think about the ROI, it's not just like, is there enough customers here? But like the investment that I have to do due to the complexity that is in the Middle East, that's the question I think a lot of, uh, a lot of companies are asking themselves. And this is where I think Amazon has done an incredible job in stepping up and saying, this is the future. And we need to ensure that everyone, and our North Star is for Alexa is, for Alexa to understand everyone in their natural language mm -hmm. and to be able to respond to them in their natural language. And that's, that's the North Star that we're, we're achieving. And the next natural group of customers is gonna be Arabic customers. You know, we have English, French, Spanish, Japanese, Hindi, uh, like the series. And so naturally Arabic is, 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 is gonna be uh, one of the next ones or the next one that, that comes up in this. But as we think about that, then we come to the, then we come to the realization in the PRFAQ, like, oh, this is complex. Mm -hmm. This isn't simple. The investment in this is incredibly high. Um, and one of the things that I think Amazon's done a great job of is saying, I'm going to take a bet in this part of the world where many others haven't. Uh, and I'm going to take a hyper-localized bet because if I make it successful here, mm -hmm. I can justify my investment to replicate it and grow in, in, in different parts of the Arab world. And I think that's unique to us because uh, I was reading, I was reading the other day, there are... 4.2 billion voice assistants in 2020. 4.2 billion? 4.2 billion. In 2024, it expected to reach 8.4 billion, which means 
each person has more than one voice assistant. Okay. Yeah. And so how can you equate this number and exclude the Middle East or exclude Arabic speaking population? Um, you can't because they're an intrinsic part and a big part of the, popul- the world population. And so it's natural that we progress into that. Right, I saw your clogs going there when I when I was saying those numbers. So let me, let me yeah, explain. Yeah, four point two billion. Just like, how, what do you mean? There's so so your phone yeah. uh, has a voice assistant. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you may or may not use it. For those that use it, it accounts for this. Um, now our technology moves beyond just uh, a voice assistant that is in, I don't know, uh, an echo device or a speaker, but we have. Um, I run a, a business that's called our AVS business, it's called, which is Amazon Voice Services. This is where we integrate Alexa in a third party. And this could be anything. This could be, I don't know, your Sonos speaker, your LG TV, your, your Roomba uh, uh, vacuum yeah. cleaner. And so now you can have voice assistants within each one of these, with each one of these devices. And as, you know, as we go into 2024, these are going to continue to increase. Okay. What Amazon does and others do in the field. And that's going to, that's, those numbers are what are going to make up your 8.4 billion. Okay. But so you ended up deciding on, uh, is it Khaliji? What, what did you launch in the first basically Arabic dialect yeah. that you've picked? So, so when we, um, yeah, we launched, we launched with Khaliji Arabic. Okay. Um, and uh, I think I can, I can hear folks uh, in the podcast saying, but Raf, there's no such thing as Khaliji Arabic. Okay. <laughs> so, so <laughs> Which would be right. What's, what's so we, we launched with a Khaliji dialect. Okay. So what we did is when we were looking to kind of, I'll say, hyper-localize uh, and focus on the customer subs- the customers that we have here between the UAE and KSA, we put 100% of our Arabic-speaking customers in our bucket. And then we said, how many customers speak what dialects? And as we went through that, data, mm-hmm. we realized that the majority of customers spoke a Khaliji dialect by virtue of Saudi being a big country and by virtue of um, a majority of them speaking a Gulf dialect. I set up uh, my Alexa and I put it in uh, English. Maybe I we'll should, have, uh, we'll I should give it a later. try in Arabic. Huh? <laughs> we'll have words later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. No, it's uh, I mean, maybe because it's just easier for us. And I think, it, you know, going back to my comment about the kids, like for us, it's just sometimes easier instead of trying to figure out what to speak to them, if it's in the fusha that they're learning in school or like our dialect uh, or just speak to them in English. Sometimes we just you know, go to the default, like the easiest, and we just speak in English since everyone speaks English here. But I'm not happy about that. You know, I think it's uh, it's, it's it's something that definitely we need to address. My take, and I don't know, I might like my hypothesis, as it were, is I don't, I think it's because technology has let us down in this part of the world. And I think that's really part of why we levitate towards English, because we know it works. And like many of us speak it mm-hmm. fluently, uh, use it in our day-to-day, use it in our working environment. We're using it now. We're using it now. Yeah. Uh, and so we levitate towards it because it works. Mm-hmm. And technology has let us down. Uh, it took so long for phones to evolve to add an Arabic keyboard. And we had to use numbers and letters to be able to write to our friends and loved ones. Uh, mm-hmm. A simple SMS with uh, however many characters that we were limited to. Um, it evolved, you use whatever processing, uh, word processor that you have on your laptop or your computer. 
your right to left rendering is broken. You're, you send an email and it's like upside down mm. and inside out and you get frustrated with it. And after your fifth attempt, you're like, you know what? This person understands what I'm saying in English. Let me just use it. And so naturally because of this, because of this, we have just defaulted to English. And like you said, like, or you're upset with yourself that you, mm -hmm. you, you default to this. And we're all, we all do that. Okay, good. Let's take a short break. All right. This show is brought to you by Baraka. Regulated by the DFSA, Baraka is a commission-free investing app where you can access over 6,000 stocks and ETFs from the GCC. With the referral code UNI2022, that's UNI2022, you can get $50 when you fund your account with them. Download the app and start investing. So Raf, you mentioned that um, we have voice everywhere, right? Our phones uh, uh, has it, uh, have it, and, uh, and it's being integrated in more and more technologies. But like personally, I don't use it a lot, okay? I, I, I don't know why, I know it's there, but I just don't. And, you know, looking at it also, I don't know, at least in our part of the world, I don't see like mass adoption for voice as a technology, right? And, and why, why is it? Is it, you know, is it a behavioral change that needs to happen? Is it just that we're not used to, even though talking is very natural? Uh, is it the technology issue, as you highlighted that, like what you said about Arabic basically not being developed here, even though I could do it in English, but I don't. So... What's, what's happening there? There's a couple of things. First of all, the technology has been evolving rapidly, I think, since the early 2010s. Um, and this evolution hasn't necessarily touched this part of the world. Okay. Um, and so to answer your question directly, we just arrived. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I think, uh, and I think for it to be meaningful, it needs to be natural and it hasn't been. And so we've all said, what does this add to me? Like, why do I need to add another layer? Why don't I just pick up my phone and find out what the weather is or set my timer on my phone mm. or wherever it is, uh, because it's complex. I think the bottom line is the technology just arrived here. Um, it's been evolving for a while. And ultimately the customer is not aware of what Alexa or what other voice assistants mm -hmm. are able to offer. But if you think about the core of what Amazon is doing with this technology, it is a voice assistant. It is, it is a technology that makes your life easier. And so there's a lot of benefits in having an Alexa. Mm -hmm. I use it every day. I can't imagine my world without it. Uh, and, and I'll just say this because I, I lead this business, but yeah. I say this because is genuinely helpful. And let's let's like outside of Alexa. Um, I mean, in in general, because even I looked on the internet just to see like how much people are using voice as a technology to, for example, search. And I think I saw a number where it's twenty six percent, and I think that is probably a couple years old on on Statista. Uh, so it's not it's not again even globally, it's not mass. You know, it's not everybody's doing it. Well, I mentioned earlier, there are 4.2 billion voice assistants out okay. there being used. And there's this will this number will look to be 8.4 billion by 2024. Okay. So, so that's like the first thing. The second one is 
the technology itself has evolved rapidly in that in this in a very short period of time and it continues to evolve we, we say at amazon it's day one you know by no means uh i will tell you that uh alexa and other voice assistants are going to be perfect in understanding every request and perfect in but is it that is, is it the technology or is it more of a of a behavior no it, it's it's not technology nor the behavior it's 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 really about the environment that it comes in, yeah? So I'll give you an example. Uh, I bought a set of devices for my mother when we launched. And she's like, why do I need these? And that's, that is the important question. Why do I need these? What am I doing in my life? I've lived my life for 60 odd years. Mm-hmm. Like, why is, like, what change is this going to bring to me? Mm-hmm. Um, and... When I put those devices in my mother's home and turned them on and started educating her on how she can use them to make things easier in her day-to-day life, that's when it flipped. Okay, and like, can you... I'll give you an example. Right now, um, my mother wakes up every day for Fajr prayer, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and in order to do that, she has an alarm that sets off on her phone that she may or may not remember to put on that uh, a prayer time changes. Uh, the prayer time changes because uh, the times for dust to dawn changes every day. Okay. Uh, and that is a manual process. She goes to her. Uh, I don't know, you've seen the, uh, the Arabic Hijri calendars. You flip through. It's got all the little numbers and dates and uh-huh. she tries to figure out and then she sets her alarm to do that. Um, I set a routine for her uh, that allows her five minutes before the Adan comes in, the air condition uh, increases slightly in temperature. So the blinds in her room automatically start to come up and she wakes up naturally to that process. And then she hears the sort of the Adan running through uh, as the Adan kicks in. That becomes a seamless process. Why? Because it becomes a routine. So Alexa learns this and it becomes intelligent. Um, What I mean by that is the next day she sets that as is the next day. She doesn't need to set that another routine Mm -hmm. because Alexa will know that Fajr tomorrow is at a different time. It set the prayer time at a different time. It sets up the routine to wake her up at a different time. And now that is a, that is a whole effortless process in order to do that. We live in, you know, in, uh, and we're privileged enough to live in uh, much bigger homes than is the case in Europe or, or other parts of the world. Uh, we're also privileged enough that we have help in our house. Uh, communicating uh, is usually, I know in my house at least, is by shouting. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not the most effective way of like connecting uh, with people or getting what you need. Uh, and so she drops into the kitchen to ask for uh, some water or her medicine or whatnot. Okay. Um, that is convenience. And that convenience factor uh, has come with the evolution of the technology. Okay. And I think the biggest challenge that we have today is not our customers using it. Customers are using it all around the world. I think the biggest challenge is customers here in the UAE and KSA how do we break down and how do we solve their problems to make it meaningful enough for them to see value in it? 
Um, and we tried that and we're, we're in the process of doing that and it's day one and we'll continue to iterate and we'll continue to build. But things like prayer time is not something that existed uh, mm -hmm. as a feature. It's not something that we had anywhere else in the world. Mm -hmm. we, when, we, when we were doing that PRFAQ, we looked back at the customer and we said, spirituality is an important part of yeah. our customer day-to-day uh, -day here. So you can't be an assistant if you're not helping them in your spiritual journey at the same mm -hmm. time. It just doesn't make sense. It's like, you can do everything, just don't do religion. Uh, mm -hmm. But if religion and spirituality plays such a big role in their lives, then you need to be enabling the customer. And so that's what Alexa okay. does. It starts to enable more and more. And as the technology evolves, it moves into what we call ambient technology. Uh, technology that sits and fades in the background and is only there to help you. And it starts to predict what you want. So you set your, uh, you set your alarm for Fajr prayer today. It realizes that the time that you set is around Fajr prayer. And it says, oh, you've set your alarm on, or you've set your alarm on Fajr time. Would you like me to set this every day? Mm. And then you say yes or no. And with that one command, okay. you get a, a series of activities that happen on the back of that. So you get some automation for for different types of tasks that you uh, otherwise would have to do it manually. Yes, but it's more than automation. It's also it's also predicting. So okay. um, and our vision in the future is actually you say less and you get more mm -hmm. because Alexa becomes intelligent enough to predict what you're doing and how it can help you. So. You ask Alexa, uh, I'm, I'm hypothesizing the future right now. Mm -hmm. You ask Alexa uh, at three o'clock, you know, what time is it? Uh, or just around three o'clock, what time is it? And it says, oh, it's, it's, you know, quarter to three. Next day you ask, it's quarter to three. Third time Alexa asks you, you know, why are you asking me this question? <laughs> and then you say, well, because I need to pick up my kid from school that finishes at half past three. Mm -hmm. uh, and so Alexa says, would you like me to remind you this every day? Mm -hmm. And so it starts to understand these things. And then at three, it's not about telling you, oh, hey, you need to go pick up your kids at three. But like, it realizes that you turn off your air conditioning. So why does it not turn off your air conditioning? Well, we've left your room. Mm -hmm. So why does it turn off your light? Um, and it needs to have such a high accuracy in, in, in predicting what you want that it doesn't become intrusive, it becomes helpful. And that's where the intelligence part comes in. Because it's not just about automation, it's about automating and intelligence. Uh, and that takes time and we're getting there and that's kind of our vision. Uh, but that's ultimately where, where Alexa is heading. But maybe that's why you don't have the mass adoption as well, because all of these things are probably costly. You need to have the right infrastructure in your house, right? You need to have all these connected devices in your house for it to work. So maybe as with every new technology, you're probably... Uh, targeting the, the the more affluent people or people who can you know afford to have a, a device in every room or uh, you know or have blinds that are connected. So so here's the beauty of all of this. Yeah, is it shouldn't be okay. It sh price shouldn't be the prohibitor in this process. Mm -hmm. We took um, we made a decision a long time ago, way before I joined my company, on how we set our prices for say these Echo devices. Um, and we mainly break even on these devices. We maybe up or down a little bit if there's a promotion, but really we don't make money on, on, on the devices okay. because where the invention happens is not in the device. Where the invention happens is, is in Alexa, the technology, is in the AI, is in the speech recognition, is in the far field technology. That's where the invention happens. And so for us, like I said, like uh, the future that we envision is, is going to be 
more so in all your appliances that you live around the house and they talk to each other, they mm -hmm. talk to you, they understand you and your habit and they help you in your day-to-day -day life. And so I'm, when we think about price, it needs to be a core component of that, yeah? And so right now you can buy uh, an Echo device, um, I don't know, less than 200 dirhams and when they're on promotion, they're like close to 100 dirhams. That's not a prohibitive mm -hmm. price point mm -hmm. um, for many. Um, when I think about smart devices, you know, we get smart light bulbs at 20 dirhams. Their entry point is very low today. And as we continue to see more adoption in this part of the world, that's going to continue to drop. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be the norm. Because just as we moved from the traditional Edison light bulbs into an LED light bulb, it was expensive, mm -hmm. but as there was more mass adoption, the price of uh, LED light bulbs, and here's the beauty of where we are today in this part of the world is, there's been so much mass adoption around us that the prices have already come down. Like where we come in now, you know, when, when, when we started to integrate smart devices with, with Alexa, it wasn't 20 dirhams for a light bulb. It was a lot, a lot more yeah. uh, expensive, and so, and so the Middle Eastern customer and the customer in the UAE and Saudi today comes in as a really great point. There's a lot of innovation that's happened in the long term uh, elsewhere that's helped us unblock a lot for us. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of things around us that has been enabled uh, that has driven prices down. And when you go buy your next TV, you're not going to look for a TV that has Alexa or has another voice assistant in there. The likelihood is your TV will have a voice assistant in there. And so there's no additional cost for you. If you're going to go buy a TV, it's going to have that in there. Uh, and with time, when you go buy a new car, it will have a voice assistant in there. We just announced our partnership with BMW, with Lucid Motors. I know Lucid does a, a, a long, uh, a long deeper rooted piece there with mm -hmm. this part of the world. Um, and that's just going to continue to grow. I'm not just talking about, hey, Alexa, play uh, this song or that song, despite the fact that it's incredibly delightful. But I'm actually talking about controlling and being in charge of the car through, uh, through Alexa sure. and that innovation. So when the car detects you're coming around the corner here uh, to your house, it realizes that you're yay far and then it should open your garage door and it realizes that you're going to open your garage door. So for it turns on the air condition in your bedroom, knowing mm -hmm. that your habit is to come to the bedroom and go to sleep after you come back from work. And so that part of the innovation happens seamlessly in the background. But all of that doesn't happen with an additional cost to you as a customer because you are going off and buying the things that you need to buy anyway. And so as we continue to integrate uh, voice assistants and smart devices within the broader um, within the broader community, it will just naturally happen. And as I think about that, it's not just about, by the way, it's not just about the hardware and the devices. It's also about like the community we work with. Right now, you think about like Alexa has skills. Yep. Uh, and these skills, we don't develop these skills. A lot of these skills are developed by third-party developers. Okay. What do you mean by skills? So skills. Skills are what an app to an app store is. A skill is a skill to our skill store. Uh, and essentially, uh, third-party partners build skills that talk to their customers via voice. Now... Think of any app that you have on your phone 
um, think of a couple of the guests that you've had before before me mm-hmm. and think about all the different technology that they bring to the table and now think about adding voice as a layer, a component for them to talk to their customers through it. Mm-hmm. Whether it be, um, I don't know, ordering today, you can order a Kareem via, via an Alexa device. You can ask where your car is. Now, let me put that into a, like a real life context. And so you, we break down from what, like, what the gimmicky part of this is or lack of to how it becomes a utility. It's a, it's, a, it's a Saturday night, you're getting ready to go out with your husband, you're putting the kids to bed, you're rushing around, you're looking for this. Last thing you need to do is keep looking at your phone to see where the car is. Is it here or not? Now, you're, you're walking around and rushing around your house and you say, hey Alexa, where's my captain? Mm-hmm. And Alexa says, he's two minutes away. He's one minute away. Your captain's here. Now, how helpful is that to you? Because you can continue to do whatever you need to do. Mm-hmm. It gives you more time to be Lulu and to be able to do what you need to close off yeah. before you head out that night. And that, that is incredibly powerful because it doesn't just serve like what I would call our traditional customer, but it's someone else's customer as well. So now we're enabling other parts of the community to use this technology at no cost to build a skill or enable their skill via voice and now they can talk and then think about like accessibility, like the, 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 the opportunities are endless in what you can do with this. Okay. Um, and that's being like a core part of our success. And in this part of the world, we've just started. Mm-hmm. Very briefly, but what were some of the like biggest challenges you've had so far in terms of, uh, in terms of launching here? Language is, a, is like a key component. I know we touched on that earlier on. Uh, but uh, understanding not just language, but understanding intent I think was quite critical mm-hmm. because we can say things and we can, you know, you can, you know, I could be, uh, and Arabic is a very, um, very, uh, what's the word? Um, the intent behind why you say things, the way you say them okay. makes a difference. So you can say two phrases mm-hmm. and yeah. they're the same. They can say one phrase and it could have mm-hmm. two different meanings That's true. and just your intent behind them. And the context is a context. It's a context driven language. And so understanding that local context in order for Alexa to be able to cipher what the customer wants mm-hmm. was a huge challenge. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about like, you know, Alexa, what's the weather? And then I pick up Alexa, whether like Alexa turns on weather and then I try and identify where is the customer based uh, in terms of location, what the time is, and identify where the weather is from, from a, from a weather source. But when it becomes a lot more complex, because part of the, what we wanted to do is we wanted to build, like, again, it's an assistant. It needs an assist. Like if I bring in an alien as an assistant into your home, mm-hmm. it'd be a really weird experience. <laughs> um, not knowing what things are around your house. Why, what is this mat? Why do I not need to walk on it? What is this? What is that? And so it needs to also understand okay. your culture. Okay. Uh, and so that's a big component of what we did. The cultural driven context and language, okay. incredibly important part of uh, the challenges, incredible challenge that we had to kind of decipher. Um, but also, Building locally, so when I, I talked about prayer time uh, as, a, as a new build, again, it, this is not just about an API that says, hey, Alexa, when is Maghreb prayer? And it tells you that you know, Maghreb prayer is at 5.23 or whatever time it is that day. But it's about being able to link it to the back end to be able to connect it to our routines and automate it with our, with our, with our, um, with our smart offerings. But also, uh, I don't know, a Hijri calendar. And you may turn around and say, Rafa, Who's using the Hijri calendar mm. today? But we do, we do it in an we do it in a subconscious way. We think about Ramadan. Ramadan is 
purely based on a Hijri calendar. It's a Hijri month. And so if a customer asks, hey, two days before Ramadan, remind me to go and do something. Uh, a day before Eid, remind me to send my mom a happy Eid note because I'm not paying attention. Mm. Alexa should be able to do that. And that's okay. local, which means yeah. we have to build the technology with these localities in mind to ensure that it's meaningful enough. Even if it's not the thing that's going to be used every day. And I'm, you know, mm. and also we needed it to be meaningful. What I didn't want to do is build a calendar that has two little numbers and you have to squint really, really well to understand to see which, which day it is. That's not going to add any value because you and I don't use it. We know it. And yeah. that's the beauty of building things locally. We turned around and we said, uh-uh, this is a gimmick. This is not useful for our customer here. Why? Can we do that really well? Because we built it locally. And that's what okay. really made the big delta. And built locally means also your team is all here in the region. Yes. Uh, proudly, my team is all Arabic speaking. Um, they are, I have, I have uh, two teams, one based in the UAE, one based in Saudi. Um, we have different teams doing different things that help Alexa get smarter every day. I'll give you an example. I have a, uh, what we call our personality, what Alexa's personality. Uh, essentially, it's the kind of local content within Alexa. Uh, Alexa understanding when it's natural, when it's a national day, when it's uh, Ramadan, when the national uh, football team is playing, when there's a national morning, um, when uh, there's a big... Um, announcement of something that's happened positively or negatively and how we react. Alexa has an opinion on those things. It's not, oh, today's a sad day because there's a morning, but actually it can be useful in that day-to-day -day activity to tell you, well, if you want to pay your respects, this is where you can go pay your respect. That can't be done from Timbuktu. That needs to be done locally. That needs to be understood. And this team sits here, is from here, that is driving the day-to-day digest -day of what's happening in and teaching Alexa to be conscious and local to what the customer is asking, to have also opinions. And that's the difference between, you know, uh, a search engine where you ask a question and you get a response versus an mm -hmm. assistant where you may have an opinion, mm -hmm. where you may have advice. And that's, like a, that's also another part of our North Star where we want to be. But ultimately, in order to do all of those things, you need to crack culture. How far it's going to go? Like, so paint us a picture about the future, uh, not only voice, but in terms of, you know, connected homes. Like how, what will our home, uh, how far technology will go in 2025 or say 2030? Yeah. What's in store? Okay. So I talked earlier about the PRFAQ to launch Arabic. Mm -hmm. I can maybe take even a step back in time and talk about the PRFAQ for when we launched Alexa eight years ago. Okay. And in that PRFAQ, our vision was computer on the Starship Enterprise. Okay. Yeah. Where you ask, if you're on the deck and you say, you know, computer, uh -huh. you know, warp to, <laughs> uh, or, you know, teleport me to here or do this yeah. for me or help me with that or I need to understand that or give me this information. Uh -huh. Alexa or computer should be able to give you that. Okay. And so that's our vision. In order to do that, you know, <laughs> you should be able to speak Alexa in Klingon, in Arabic, in English, in whatever language 
because Alexa should be able to understand. Mm -hmm. And so our North, North Star and our vision is that. Mm -hmm. What does this look like in the future? Um, I suspect less, uh, less speaker devices and just having a voice assistant integrated within the appliances of your homes, um, where it's making a lot more decisions on your behalf that are accurate enough not to annoy you mm -hmm. uh, and actually delight you. Uh, and in order to do that, you need to build trust. And so for things that you see coming out today, there's been multiple iterations, like I, I shared with you before. The exciting thing about Alexa is not the Echo device that it's housed in, because it could be housed in any device. It's the technology that sits behind it. It's the AI, it's the machine learning. That's where the invention happens. And that's what's really exciting. Well, that's great. Well, thank you so much for uh, for these great insights. I really enjoyed the conversation. I'm sure our uh, our guests have learned a lot as well about uh, what you're doing at Alexa. Look forward to hosting you again in the thank future. Thank you, and thank you for having me. Thank you, Raf. Thanks, Lulu. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Conversations with Lulu with Dr. Raf Fatani. I really hope you enjoyed it. As usual, don't forget to visit the show's website, conversationswithlulu.com. You can also follow me on all social channels at Lulu Hazen. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app or on YouTube to get the latest episode. If you love what you're hearing, please do give us a rating and a review. It really helps in getting the show discovered. I wish you love, light, and see you in a couple of weeks. Are you struggling to find the right broker to take advantage of opportunities in the market? Are you looking to trade commodities, shares, or even crypto? Even if you don't know much about trading, you can learn all about it by visiting Capital.com's website. That's C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. Capital.com is a global trading platform with over half a million users. Visit Capital.com and start your trading journey today.